0: this episode is a real one josh lau from nimble systems comes on the podcast and talks about the practice management software but perhaps more importantly he talks about lexington and the entrepreneurship scene here but the kicker is that he's thinking about moving out let's find out why Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast, Nate Antitomaso here in Chicago, Illinois, Evan Knowles down in Lexington, Kentucky.
1: How you doing, man? We're doing good. We are in a new location again, so we are jumping around our locations uh, looking for <laughs> um, just experimenting. You know, we're, At some point, we're going to have to have our own yeah. studio, and we're just kind of experimenting with rooms. So we're actually in Awesome Inc. this time. We're in one of their conference yep. rooms. Uh, they've been very supportive of of us, so we're trying out one of their spaces.
0: Yeah, they have a little bit of a, a podcast studio there that they started for the, the Entrepreneurship Hall of Fame podcast, right?
1: Yeah. So they got a podcast as well and they've been experimenting with different technology and rooms as well. So we're both on kind of the same page and want to check out what they're doing. Yeah
0: you're bumping all around lexington down there i'm still in my apartment up here in chicago i'm actually about to move though as well so next time my recordings will be from a different location yeah downtown
1: i just moved out of my apartment as well and that sucked i live on the 17th floor i did live on the (laughs) 17th floor of park plaza so getting all that stuff down the elevator probably 20 trips later really was not fun
0: yeah, remember on the first episode I accidentally said your exact apartment location. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, we didn't have many links. we didn't have many listeners then, so it was a good thing the, that you know nobody was creeping.
2: I want to go back and re-listen to that.
0: <laughs> if people go back and listen to the first episode, they yeah. can find out Evan's old address.
1: Yeah.
0: Cool. But while you're there at Awesome Inc., you're there with a guest. We're super excited about this guest and this episode. Josh Lau, how you
1: doing? I'm doing well, man. Really appreciate you all having me on.
0: Of course. Thanks for jumping on. Evan, do you kind of want to go through how you met Josh and we can roll from there?
1: Yeah. So, Josh was somebody that, you know, kept coming up when I was like, who's doing awesome things in Lexington? What are some companies I need to know about? Uh, Nimble Systems and Josh just, just kept coming up. So, I reached out to him on LinkedIn and said, hey, you know, let's meet up soon. And we mm-hmm. uh, connected at a Fiverr across event and stayed in touch. And so, here we are. I uh, really love what he's doing, he's working in, on an amazing software product. That's doing some amazing things, and we'll get to the details of that. But you know, there's no question we had to get them on soon. So here we are.
0: Well, like we said, thanks again for joining, man. I think what we want to do is kind of just what we usually do, let's go through your background a little bit, and then we want to jump into what you're doing today. So if you just kind of want to start where you're from, how'd you get to Lexington? What's your background? That's a big question, but just take it however you want.
2: Okay. Yeah, so I was actually born and raised in Lexington. I uh, went to, you know, elementary, middle, high school here, and then eventually the University of Kentucky. So I didn't really, didn't leave at all. Mm. Um, parents are from Hong Kong and Taiwan, though, and I'm a first generation born here. So going into UK, um, you know, I set as pre-med and looking at medical school. So I graduated in 2012, and at that time, I was looking at UK med or L med, uh, just in-state tuition, you know, way cheaper. But 2012 was also the first year that Obamacare rolled out. So a lot of physicians I was shadowing at the time didn't know how to change their life or lifestyle. On top of that, uh, my parents are pretty stereotypical. So (laughs) if you're thinking about that, it was like doctor, lawyer, engineer, that type for uh, career path. Didn't really like the other two. So like, all right, medicine. Uh, But with all that being said, it really wasn't the right reason to go into medicine. So, could you your I want to touch
1: on that real quick. Yeah, cuz I have a lot of friends that also come from India or China. Is that simply because it's a engineers, doctors, yeah. things of that nature make more money or is it more of a cultural mm-hmm. thing even coming from those regions that those things are held in a higher higher um I don't know the word, but a higher like a reputation. Yeah, item. reputation. Yeah. What's what's kind of the details behind that? Uh,
2: I would say it's sort of both culturally and um, you know, for the like your salary like the salary you make as well but you know it's really stable so yep. you know once you get into it you know you're gonna make x amount while hmm. doing the startup you know you can go broke and you know live off ramen for years on end right sort of that so through. did you feel
0: pressure from your family then to to go into that
2: yeah 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 definitely felt a lot of pressure from the medicine side and then i yeah. remember like even when i did my startup like the first six months like we weren't on good terms so they're finally getting around to it now what two and a half years later (laughs) but yeah it took a while okay
1: so talk about you know your education once yeah you got to uk and what that was
2: like yeah so going in um took a you know your basic intro courses 101 but most of my studies were looking at medicine so it took a lot of you know biology physiology biochemistry um what else like histology, like looking under microscopes and stuff. So my entire resume was set for med school. Like I had no business classes, no entrepreneurship classes, nothing like that. Um, And really had to learn all of that like on the fly. But going through those courses, you know, um, I was self-taught for most of it. I feel like in the startup world, you have to learn like a little bit of everything. So that did prepare me there.
1: Yeah. And, you know, a lot of your experience in school and then for a little while when you got out of school was, you know, being a lab technician. You know, you mentioned yep. looking in microscopes would kind of give people a picture of, you know, what kind of work we actually doing. What was some of the coolest things you, you know, accomplished while you're doing
2: uh, you know, the lab tech technician yeah. work? So during my time, I was working as an undergrad as a lab tech for a couple of different labs. Uh, one of the ones that I was working with was studying retinal regeneration. So they're trying to restore vision to the blind, and apparently zebra fish have the ability. Like if their eyes get damaged, they're able to repair itself. So one of the professors I was working with, you know, we were studying that. We were growing them up in our lab, like dissecting them under a scope. Um, so at first, I started out with you know, bitch work essentially, yeah. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then after a couple of years ended up actually like dissecting the eye and like looking at it under a scope. So still nothing with business. You know, I was writing a little bit like on research papers, yeah. so that helped. Um, but still nothing like that would prepare me for the startup world.
0: Yeah. So you were doing that all at UK?
2: Yeah, I was doing all at UK. And then when I graduated, you know, um, I took a year off and I was trying to figure You're... out what I was trying to do and worked. Random jobs, worked at a pharmacy, sold shoes, waited tables, and then I did everything. Writing. Yeah, you know, wide array. I'm uh, just trying to save up some money for one and try to figure out, you know, what I really liked. And I ended up in IT consulting. Some more your help desk type support, like, you know, your printer wasn't working, internet was out. Um... You know, things along those lines. So did you yes, have a, a,
1: a technical background at all to, you know, move into that? What made you go IT? What, what said, I need to try this? Yeah.
2: So I had a family friend. He owned his own consulting company and he was looking for some help at the time. I always liked playing video games growing up. Yeah. So what I, um, so I was big into PC gaming. So oh, okay. Like okay. Strike or StarCraft, if yeah. you've heard of them. Um, but yeah, those were the days. I uh, was a big call dude yeah. <laughs> okay. like every, okay. every day I come home and play yeah. with my boys dude, same thing like first person shooter for me just on the PC uh, that's but... how you know you're a hardcore gamer <laughs> like yeah. A yeah you're probably a lot better than me that's, yeah. there's a difference between no, no, PC and console did you have the so... full
0: keyboard with the glowing <laughs> lights and everything?
2: Yeah. oh yeah you know it uh, but when we talk oh yeah, yeah so family friend owned his business I really like I didn't know anything about it. Couldn't even build a computer at the time. But again, you know, he taught me what I needed to know in terms of how to, you know, build a computer set up a network, things like that. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah.
1: And where did your first business path like even begin? Like, I assume something out of doing that led to Nimble Systems somehow? What? A hundred percent.
2: Yeah. So when I was consulting, one of our clients, that's that's what I figured. was an orthotic and prosthetic company. So Nimble is actually a practice management system. So we manage patient records, schedule appointments, bill out claims, specifically for the orthotic and prosthetic industry. Um, So one of our clients was in the space, asked me to look into a new software for them. So I was still consulting at the time, like for their firm and really didn't even want to start up my own software company. So, you know, went around, asked a few of the big EMR companies at the time, Epic, Cerner, McKisson, all now in the billions for revenue, and even some up-and-coming ones like Athena Health, Greenway, and a couple others, all of which have been acquired or had an exit. I think Athena had one for like three point something billion recently, and a couple others, but no one really wanted to go into this space. Uh, and we you know, my thought was that the OMP industry is just really small in comparison to the rest of healthcare. So they still probably bill out, you know, 4 to 5 billion a year, you know, wow. with a B. Yeah. But in comparison to healthcare, you know, you're at 3 trillion. Yeah. You know, it's maybe a percent. It's a or, small niche yeah, within yeah, yeah. Which
1: in the within the market. Yep. And the bigger players, were they not even paying attention because it requires special features or, you know, kind of uh, major tweaks to what they're already doing or was it just not even a focus on their sales team because it was such a small niche, or was there
2: something technical there that they couldn't,
1: you know, didn't want to give the time and get
2: yeah, yeah, I think it's a combination of the two. Um, For my research, at least, like all the big companies are, you know, targeting hospitals and their specialties right now, like whatever the hospitals are acquiring. Yeah. So some of these smaller markets, like, you know, OMP and a few others that we're looking at getting into, um, they're all still dominated by, you know, smaller startups or independent um, software companies.
1: Or, or I'm sure that there's the case
2: where they're not even adopting the latest yeah. technology at all. They're probably using spreadsheets. And- yeah, using yeah. spreadsheets, you know, yeah. still on paper sometimes. And the industry we're in is actually pretty specific. So there's a few documents, workflows, as well as templates that we've created in our platform to help streamline that workflow process. Yeah.
0: For a little bit of background understanding on like this space, are the orthotic and the, the prosthetic providers, are these like outpatient clinics or are they, you know, services within a hospital? Or are they separate companies? You know, like yeah. who is the client exactly?
2: It could be a combination of the two, but primarily they're independently owned. So the hospital doesn't have control of them yet. You know, mm-hmm. we do see some consolidation happening. But these could be mainly outpatient. So after the orthopedic surgeon gets done, you know, with an amputation or whatnot, you know, we fit them or our practitioners fit them with like a prosthetic leg, arm, whatnot, or something like custom bracing as well. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. So, you know, obviously you have a medical background, but, you know, moving into entrepreneurship, like you said, is is largely self-taught. So when you first moved into this space and were building the company and the software you know what was that experience like and, and where did you even start
2: yeah uh where did i start good question i i started networking like yeah. started coming and asking like you know who we in town can i figure out the startup stuff and people pointed me to awesome inc i think this was back 2015 maybe 14 around then mm-hmm. um and had no idea what i was doing so all I knew was there was a market, and I had a few companies willing to, you know, be my beta testers and put up some initial seed capital. So, came to Awesome Inc., went to five across pitches. I think I went to every one for a year, um, you know, just talking to coaches, learning, and gaining as much info as I could. Wow. Uh, I remember I remembered... The first time I applied to the Awesome Make Fellowship got denied or turned down there, um, so ended up having to refine a few things and then come come back to that. Now you're one of the prized possessions. Yeah. <laughs> Is this like, all
0: while you were still consulting, or kind of like what's that timeline?
2: Yeah, yeah. This was all while I'm still consulting. So just doing in your free time. Yeah, just doing in my free time. You know, luckily I was pretty flexible at the consultant job, but you know, left around like four thirty, came down for five across. You know, stayed late, um, Mm -hmm. you know, pop in whenever I could and yeah, yeah, just started grinding. Yeah. One of the things that is a pretty common story
1: with a lot of startups is this this happened organically. Like you didn't just say, I want to start, I want to start a company. I was, you were actively trying to figure out what you wanted to do. You were doing random jobs here and there. You were doing IT, didn't necessarily know you loved that or not. And then you came across this opportunity and, you know, that's very organic thing to move into entrepreneurship and I think that some of the best startups and best stories happen that way and even once you start a company you start to organically realize where that company should go so and pivot you know and yep. with that with that being said what are some other organic paths you can see Nimble taking you mentioned there are some other niches in the market that you can address beyond you know
2: orthopedic uh, yeah you know prosthetic What what are some of the next moves So definitely um, some other smaller healthcare verticals. So uh, potentially physical therapy, speech therapy, um, veterinary space as well. And we might be moving into like military housing and government contracts. So that's like completely different from healthcare, right? Yeah, that's Uh, totally different. (laughs) So (laughs) Where's that
0: bridge? How how do you get there?
2: Essentially what we've built is just a project, like a very streamlined project management platform so uh, recently we won like a top 10 small business award um, in the US and we had to showcase at DC you know some other companies and at my time there there was a gentleman looking to start up his own company specifically for the government housing market so I can't really go into too many too, or too much of the details there but you know what we've built within our platform like with a patient profile scheduling text email reminders uh, you know, documentation workflow, a checklist. These are the exact same things that they need in the government market or this military housing market. So we just need to make a few tweaks here and there to our platform. But I would say like 70% of it can be used like right now. What about like CRM software? Is that built in as well yeah. is it primarily project management? So we have a tiny, tiny CRM piece. It's like very lightweight and basic right now in terms of Real like, quick, CRM yeah. is customer relationship management. That's a huge
1: huge uh, category of software so yep. uh, go ahead keep going.
2: Yeah so if you're looking at like HubSpot, Salesforce, Zoho or a couple of those CRMs like it's definitely not there right um, it's just who you contacted what day what did you talk about and if you have a follow-up like okay. we don't even have a profile for it yet but for now like this is what we need um, in the space and it's mainly used for outreach to like referring physicians like Hey, this doc, I talked to this doctor, they sent us like this patient or this patient. So remember to follow up, things yeah. like that.
1: Yeah, makes sense. Um, talk about the revenue model a bit. Um, you guys are SaaS, recurring yep. revenue. Talk about, you know, how you structure that and how you arrive to that. It's obviously, in this day and age, pretty obvious move. But, you know, talk
2: about your, your thinking around, you know, the revenue model. Yeah, so in terms of revenue, right, um, we do have some, well, we raised like some decent capital here. But I'd say with any SaaS product, you're going to need to just because, you know, you don't make that large contract right out the gate. So we charge per month per user. And right now we're currently at $75 per month per user. It doesn't matter who you are, like doctor, admin, biller, whoever, it's the same price. And economies of scale, you know, we get down lower than that. But we've had like five different pricing models. You know, we tried to start out to see you know, what would our customers would be willing to pay? Are we pressed too low? And we slowly increase that and, you know, try to find creative ways of bundling our product. So I think nowadays people don't want to be nickel and dime or, you know, if they're paying for 20 different add-ons, they'd rather just pay one flat price. Yep. So at first, you know, we had one flat price, but then we started adding all these add-ons, right? And then it sort of evolved because we were like, oh, if you want this, it's like, you know, an extra 10 bucks a month or 12, 12 bucks a month, whatever but then just ended up bundling it all together for now. And I think we'll probably change our pricing structure one more time once we have like a premium product. Yeah. Okay.
0: What does your sales process look like then? You know, do you go to the administrator? Do you go to an end user? Or, you know, how does that work out? With what I assume is a, a longer sales cycle with healthcare.
2: Yeah. So our typical sales length or cycle, I would say four to, you know, Four months is the shortest, you know, longest, probably like a year and a half with these larger groups. Um, But on average, I would say it's like four to six months, that range. So we actually got lucky and have a corporate investor in our space. And they're like a large membership organization. So the timing was just perfect. They were just transitioning out of a contract for one company. They were searching for another to replace that. And we came to market literally, you know, a few months right before that. They heard of us saw us at a national conference and picked us up. So they have helped us and they've leveraged us out or we've leveraged them significantly. So their yeah. parent company has about like 3,500 employees. So we leverage out their cold calling center, their marketing team, <laughs> wow, like that's, everything. That's, so we've had to spend awesome. very little on marketing. Right? So you were
0: just able to outsource all that? Yeah,
2: exactly. Like we come up with a plan for it and they execute. So we work with that's their awesome. team there. But now, you know, um, since we've tapped into that pool, we're starting more cold calls, conferences, you know, state conferences, national conferences, things like that. And what else? Like, we're now just trying like LinkedIn and social media for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a, that is so important and awesome that you had that initial partner. Um, you know, one of the other hardest things beyond marketing is building the team. Um, that's probably one of the most that's probably the most important thing you can do as you're building a startup is building the team uh, that's going to take you to the next level so how have you approached building the team and um, what are you most proud of with the team you've put together so far
2: yeah so in lexington i would say it's pretty hard to find good talent yeah right and that's one of the issues we're running into now is we're trying to scale um and even on top of that trying to talk to people about what a startup is, it's not the norm here, right? Like, it's very- it's tough conversation. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay. So they don't really understand tech, they don't understand startups. So. You gotta
1: see if they have the right knowledge to one, do the job, yep. and then you also have to make sure they have the mindset to take the risk to go into it in the first place. Exactly. And put in the effort. And those are conversations that don't normally have here, so there's definitely a talent problem when it's related to startups here, so.
0: I wonder if that talent problem exists everywhere, though. I mean, that's something I've kind of noticed at my company now and just, you know, in the Chicago market in general. I think it takes a very specific type of person to want to grind at a startup, but then obviously that pool is even smaller in a smaller market like Lexington.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely markets better built for the the personality you're looking for but at the end of the day i yeah. do think you know it's always a mindset thing entrepreneurship startups are always riskier than others and uh, it's always going to be harder to find talented people that are willing to go into a startup but you know, exactly Lexington's, yeah that's what i'm saying yeah yeah lexington is definitely farther behind i'd say
0: when you have less people in general and especially less people that already have that mindset it doesn't spread like it would in maybe a ma- major market yeah exactly
1: um so what are you most proud of with the team you put together so far? You know, you've you've been able to get the company to this point. So what what about your team and what kind of methodology methodologies that you've put in
2: place have helped you
1: get to where you are?
2: Yeah. Um so the team right now we're at fourteen people on the team now. You know, because an eighteen we were at two. Yeah. So probably the thing that's you know, we've accomplished, our greatest accomplishment is like just to date, you know, we're probably in 130 plus clinics now across the U.S. Um, And all of us, you know, never came from a startup or don't have any startup experience, right? Like no big co or, you know, Fortune 500 type company experience either. Really everyone's just been maybe a couple years out of college or, you know, just graduated from their master's and we're working together on this project. So sort of everyone's bought into the vision, like, all right, we're going to grind it out, you know, a couple of years, but if we do it right, you know, this thing can really take off. Yeah. yeah. So Some uh, young, hungry people. Exactly. Just young, young and hungry and people like willing to learn that's able to learn, right? Like we don't have any experience, but with our investors and um, mentors, you know, they're more than willing to help us, which has been great. And, you know, we... I think there's a mindset like going into it like you don't know everything so you have to you know you you have to want to learn and not try to know it all just because like feedback I get from them people think like they know everything and you know don't really take advice to hand so um, we've been fortunate that our advisors are still advising for free you know and not wanting any type of equity or things like that yeah yeah that's awesome
1: and you know, you've also you're also coming from the perspective of you're right along with them where you're learning how to do an entrepreneurship venture the same time they are. Yep. Yeah. So it's it's definitely a unique place that you're in, especially being again here in Lexington. Um so let's transition, you know, and talk more about the Lexington community. Um, because I know you know, right when you walked in, we were talking about um, you know, how candid do you want this conversation to be? And I said, <laughs> you know as candid as we can make yeah. it. Uh, we want middle tech to really, of course, point out the great things going on around here. But probably more importantly, in the long run, we want to point out what needs to be fixed and what can be improved. So uh, let's start with just the good stuff. Uh, and then we can really start digging okay. into what needs to be improved. So uh, you've obviously gone this far. So what are some of the things Lexington has done you know, to really set you up and help you get
2: to this point? Yeah, I actually had this like discussion literally last week with the but it's a group out of Louisville. And, you know, we we're trying to compare the two cities. Um, They're so you know, different. Yeah, exactly. But, I, you know, I, t- I took Lexington for granted um, for certain things until it was pointed out. So what I've come to realize as well is Lexington is great for the initial startup, like from ideation to maybe like, I wouldn't even say MVP, but just like ideation to like refining your pitch or getting pitch practice and networking and having like other founders trying to start a business yeah right um and with that you know there's some angel groups around there's like a lot of resources given like with awesome inc like totally free right Mm -hmm. um and on top of that they give you additional resources there so that's been a huge plus but uh well there's some like flaws with that too so Lexington, great place. Just starting out, I feel, uh, but you know, there's a ceiling there. Yeah, what, what do you the... think
0: that ceiling? Yeah, what do you think that ceiling is, and you know, at what point does it come into play, and why is it there?
2: Yeah, um, so I think the ceiling comes to right when you like hit MVP. So right when you have a product, and if you're trying to sell or scale it, I think that's when it becomes difficult. Um, A lot of the, you know, advisors that we have here haven't really, they've never gone through the startup process. Like they don't know what that's like, right? But on top of that, um, like the funding trying to pitch to angels, especially from a SaaS product, I think I mentioned earlier, right? It takes a lot of capital and a lot of investors here don't really understand that, right? Um, It's like, all right, we have this contract for like five years, we're getting paid X amount, you know, month over month, but... We need additional capital, you know, just for runway. Um, so trying to teach them that, you know, what a convertible note is, convertible debt, or even a safe note, <laughs> um, you know, isn't common practice here. Yeah. And I'd say a lot of the investors here are more accustomed to, like, real estate, you know, equine, uh, yeah. manufacturing, Ag, you know, maybe. Ag Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, when you're really trying to start to scale your business, I think, I haven't been able to find a community of founders at least that are you know in the same stage of where my company is. Like there's a couple. I know Edmund started you know with Fuji. Yeah. Um, I know there's Dura Parish here. going to yeah. him. Yeah.
1: Right. Geometry.
2: Yeah. Um, who else?
1: Randall. Yeah. Randall. Randall Stevens. Right? Yeah. But a veil. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, there's definitely several, and we ran into the same thing at Fuji. You know, Greg and Eric. You know, they had definitely worked on a couple of startups prior to Fuji, but. You know, again, once we got Fuji started and we got to, you know, have a few clients and we really need to scale the team, we ran into the exact same issue. And I always look back at Fuji and I think, you know, we talked about it in our last episode and I'm so grateful I was put in that opportunity to do what I did. But at the end of the day, a 21-year-old should not have had as much responsibility (laughs) in growing a company, especially on the sales side, as I did. Were you even Um, 21 when he started? I don't Yeah, I was around (laughs) 20, 21. And, you know, I had moved out to LA to open up a sales office when I was 21. And, you know, looking back, uh, if we had been in a a bigger market, so we should have been in LA without a question. Um, We we, we tried to move to LA. If we started in LA, I definitely think um, it would be at a totally different point. Not that it's doing bad or anything, but, you know, I think like Josh is saying, the market kind of... I'd likely hold it held us back. You know, I'm just gonna say it. It definitely held Fuji back. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I always look back and wonder, you know, what would have happened if we had started in LA one, I probably would not have been a part of it, but two um, again, I think it would have been different. Yeah. Um, And same thing. We ran into who around here can help the talent issue. Um, So yeah, it's happened to several people.
0: Once Fuji started raising some serious rounds, the majority of that capital came from outside the Lexington market, right?
1: Yeah. Um, uh, some of it did, you know, a, a couple million. Uh, well, I'd say close to a million of it, but a lot of it came from Cincinnati and, and yeah. locally, actually, when when Dan, uh, Dan Belty, you know, came around this area from L.A. Um, you know? There was a firm out of Omaha and one out of,
0: like, St. Yeah. Louis, right?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, we did have to look outside of... Uh, Lexington, and you know that's a question to you as well. Where are you finding capital to, you know, grow grow nimble?
2: Yeah. So like friends and family around, um, mm-hmm. you know, everyone here, you know, some surgeons, local surgeons as well, right? Uh, that's but, a
0: good market. That's that's cool that you have that connection. Yeah, and Access I mean, I really didn't
2: even know them personally too well, right? They just understood the problem, so they have yeah. their own software that they were using, and they're like, "This is terrible. I hate it." So they understood the problem I was solving, um, which helped you know initially. But we've raised four and a half now million, and half of it has come from the Bay Area. Yeah, um, and you know the major the other half probably we have one major investor here in Lexington, um, you know major donor to Austin Inc as well. But the Marksberry family they, they typically don't do seed round type investments. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we were the, one of the first ones, if not the first that they did they're more like a round type but yeah um them and one other angel you know have done most investment here so even from like a vc type or micro vc type firm like we don't have any of that yet
1: yeah what uh what talent specifically is lacking the most in lexington as far as teams
2: yeah um i'd say definitely sales for startups so I wouldn't say sales in general because you have like a lot of ex IBM people here, Lexmark, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Toyota here as well. Yep. So you have some big companies, right? And those people come seasoned and they're more your outside sales rep. And, you know, they're working on contracts and, you know, multi, multi million dollar contracts. But, you know, for us, we're in the inside sales rep range where it's maybe like 100K a year tops, right? Yeah. Uh,
1: we're going, we're doing this, we're in the same spot with the veil. Um, you know, I, I had that great experience from, from Fuji and, you know, was able to help and join Randall and, um, there was another gentleman, uh, Will Roush who had great software experience. And so, uh, beyond us two, we've really struggled to, um, find awesome sales talent. Um, we finally brought on an SDR and he's really doing well, but, you know, the second we need to hire several more, we're going to be, you know, in a tough spot. So, that's some of the, I've been doing some thinking lately on, you know, what can help with that, but
2: you know, it's going to be tough. Yeah, you know, exactly. And then, I mean, if you're looking at 2 too, you're competing against other cities like Louisville, Cincy, right. Mm-hmm. Um Where else? Nashville. 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 Right.
1: Yeah. So with all these things that we just talked about, the capital, the mindset, the, the talent, you're put in an interesting position. What, What are some things you're thinking about in order to solve for this um, deficiency and and what could hold you back as far as growth goes?
2: Yeah. So we're actually like last week when I was in Louisville, started talking to a few other founders there and thinking about moving the entire Nimble company from Lexington to either Louisville, Cincy, Indy, you know, wherever. But you want to
1: stay kind of close to this region or are you even open to?
2: Yeah. I sort of want to stay in this region. Uh, just overhead expense is relatively yeah. low, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And for us, it makes it doesn't really make sense for us to go to um, the Bay Area or LA or anything like that yet, right? Like, yeah. we're not in entertainment. We're not anything like that for the LA move. And for now, we're still, you know, a very niche healthcare industry. And if anything, like, Nashville's right there. Um, where else is a big healthcare hub? Like, Louisville, potentially, right? They're making a big yeah. push right now. Um so looking to stay in the area but definitely find cities with a better infrastructure to help, you know, growing companies where the city's like willing to put, you know, PR behind it, put money behind it, you know, tax credits, incentives, all of that.
0: Yeah. Do you that that government support side? Do you feel like that's lacking in Lexington and Kentucky in general based what you've seen in Indy or yeah, you know, Tennessee or wherever?
2: I definitely think on um, in Lexington for sure. I'm not too sure about Louisville yet, but I know just recently, right? Like I reached out Friday to Cincy, Indy, and Louisville, and all got responses back like over the weekend. What do you say to them? What, what's yeah. the, what's the
1: what's the outreach look like to say, hey, uh, we've got an awesome startup here. We're we're come We were interested in your market. What, what what do you reach out and say to them?
2: Luckily, I've like I know someone who knows someone like in those cities that's like giving out these grants or, yeah. you know, giving out whatever. So they've given me a warm intro and like, you know, just put in my executive summary stuff like that. So I actually haven't had a conversation with them yet, but looking to see, and you know, they're always like, Hey, well, how can our city help you? Like, I just got off calls today where, you know, I spoke to Louisville, Southern Indiana and have one scheduled for Cincy. Right. And Lexington, I tried reaching out and, you know, there's no response. I've reached out to them like beginning of the year. Or like the Lexington, like yeah. whoever's in charge of it, you know that, and it's like it's been really bad or well, it's really poor. poor. Yeah. yeah. What uh, what organizations in Lexington have you reached out to? Uh, it's like the Lexington Jobs Fund. So yeah. I think you, I think you might have told me for Fuji, right? Or yeah, yeah, we uh, we, yeah, we got some grants with Fuji. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't remember. Michael Lewis told me about yeah, it. Like yeah. he did it through it. Um,
0: yeah, and, Jobs Fund I think yeah. is the the most common. Yeah. Okay. But that's crazy. They didn't even hear back.
2: Yeah. Right. I mean, it was ridiculous. So, um, not. I don't know if that's not just a priority or what, but like that was literally like. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like you said, there needs to be infrastructure built up so that that doesn't happen again. And you know, we do this and we bring light to these things, so it doesn't happen again. Yeah. There's gonna be people. We are just gonna be people listening to this episode are gonna get mad. Uh, and something's going to be done about it. I guarantee it. Uh, so, you We've know, I'm had glad it we're sharing this. Yeah. We've had it before. We've, it's happened before.
2: So. Well, what was it? Like Rubicon Global, right? Like billion-dollar yeah, yeah. company. Nate Morris. <laughs> yeah, right? And I think I was talking to Keith about this the other day. Like, you know, hey, we're about ready to leave. And he brought up Nate and was like, you know, they moved to Atlanta. And until Kentucky or even Lexington, like, changes their infrastructure mentality, like, there's no point for them to come back. Yeah. So, it's like, I see... This happening more often than not if you know things don't change at least
1: and it might take you know a couple hopefully it doesn't you know hopefully this improves pretty quickly but it might take a couple more companies that reach that ceiling Mm -hmm. we just talked about but again you know hopefully because we're talking about this something changes Mm -hmm. um so yeah i mean it's really important that this infrastructure gets improved um both of us have personally felt it i know nate's felt it um and a lot of our close why do you friends think
0: i'm not to... sitting in that room with you <laughs> yeah yeah. In yeah chicago yeah
2: we'll yeah, yeah. talk there you go but yeah so i think back to you know evan's point on what i'm looking to get out of another city again it's just like being in an environment with like other founders that are sort of in the same stage right uh it's so like friendly competition but also like friendly advice like hey how did you navigate this negotiation or like you know what are you doing for talent things like that mm-hmm. um and then just Backing from the city or or state as well. Yeah.
1: So, what are the next, you know, beyond moving to potentially moving to a different market? What's the next big thing as far as, uh, you know, your company goes? Yeah. Um, The product
2: and your team. What are some things you're working on? So, team, we're looking at hiring probably three to four more people within like the next sixty days. Yeah. Uh, But that's put on hold until we figure out, you know, where exactly we're going to land. Right. Makes sense. Um. So that's the most urgent thing, no doubt. Yeah, you're yeah, making yeah. that quickly? Yeah, making, making this decision in like 30 to 45 days, right? Oh, wow. Um, you're going to be getting some calls tomorrow. Yeah. Or, or not tomorrow, <laughs> but as soon as this comes out, maybe
1: next Monday or Tuesday.
2: Right. Um, so, you know, we're looking at hiring a couple engineers, a couple like, support and training staff, inside sales rep, right? Um, we're really just trying to find the right fit there. Uh, as far as like milestones for the company, like next big things, we're currently at like thirty two thousand monthly recurring revenue on subscription. Nice. So looking to get that to fifty by end of year, which seems really doable for us, and then one hundred by June of twenty twenty. That's awesome. Nice. So right when we hit that, you know, one hundred K a month mark, uh, I know we can raise an A round pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And you know, we have funds that are already lined up. They've been keeping up with us, like, hey, when we get here, if we're looking for a, you know, five, eight, ten million dollar A round. Pretty sure we can, you know, find the lead and get that closed out pretty quickly. Yeah. And then use that to scale into, you know, our other markets.
0: Yeah. So is that what the use of funds would be to, to ramp up the, the sales and the marketing to expand quickly?
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we actually closed a bridge recently okay. and we overraised like from what we were thinking initially, just to scale and ramp this up. Uh, I mean, we've hit some really good traction lately. Yeah, that's exciting. So, you know, it's just using this capital to hire the right people to grow but we can't find the right people right now. So that's like one thing, you know, holding us back from growing.
0: Yeah, I want to touch on um, the technology actually real quick itself because we haven't talked about that too much. Um, the Your programmers, are they in Lexington? Are they outsourced? You know, what kind of language is the software built on? Just that kind of stuff. Because I, I think that can be dependent on, you know, your physical location as well.
2: Yeah, so the... Tech stack we're using right now: the front end is Angular JS, so it's like an old Angular, mm-hmm. like 1.5. Um, I'm not technical at all; I just memorized this from one of Devs. I, asked, I <laughs> you this got all the, the time, talking right? points. <laughs> yeah, uh, but we're looking at migrating or uh, converting over to like Angular 7 here shortly. Uh, yeah. But our back end is MySQL on Spring, uh, the MySQL database on Spring, okay. and our senior devs are from are actually from Birmingham, Alabama. They worked for Cerner, like another, you know, one of the top three EMRs here, and then have hospital uh, experience as well. Uh, Prior to that, they're in banking. So from a security standpoint, you know, that's something that we need, and that's what we brought in to the states. Like, we were outsourced Mm -hmm. originally, but definitely wasn't sustainable, and we actually had to rewrite a majority of what they wrote. Uh, Is that
0: because of specific, like, HIPAA code requirements? Things like that?
2: Yep. That... So...
0: Are they based down there in Birmingham? or?
2: Yep, uh, two are based in Birmingham, and we have four junior developers here. Three actually nice. came from Awesome Inc. Bootcamp. Um, and that, if I had to do it all over again, I probably wouldn't have done that. Um, Talk about that a bit. Yeah, so for where we were at, um, we're very technical, and we needed like a more like senior-type dev to help out. So the, you know, hire, you know initially when I went in hiring, it was like, all right, I can hire three junior devs for mm-hmm. the price of, you know, maybe one, you know, 75% of one senior dev. So I was like, okay, theoretically, they should be able to do more. Uh, but what I found out and what my senior dev has told me, that's probably one of the bigger mistakes that I did early on too, because he was busy teaching them, right? Which I have no doubt will pay off down the road. But when, you know, we're... Barely, when we're struggling to you know make the next day or next payroll right uh, we need yeah. to get things out quick yeah. as opposed to you know teach mm-hmm. and have have a long game. You mentioned that you know that's one of the bigger learnings you've had and you know starting a company and
1: being the CEO a lot of it falls on your shoulders. so how have you evolved as a CEO and as a person starting your first company and building it you know what are some of the, the highlights that you'd say? Yeah,
2: definitely made a lot of mistakes. Um burnt through like <laughs> the first million was probably just like burnt just like learning which sucks to say <laughs> and if any of our investors are listening thank you and thanks for reinvesting right Um, but a lot of mistakes and you know being in Lexington I look for mentors you know had monthly meetings weekly meetings what not but none of them actually have done the start experience right so any advice they gave me was basically something useless. they read in the book yeah right so, um, starting out right, at least they made the time. They wanted to help out. Uh, they're willing to listen and got different viewpoints. But you know, ultimately, it comes down to the founder or who, like the CEO, whoever your team make calling the shots. Yeah. And uh, just you know, trial by fire for me. And it sucks that I had to make those mistakes when it could have potentially been avoided with people who have done yeah. you know software startup, SaaS startup before. Yeah. Well, it's so important to, to make those mistakes
1: and, you know, constantly evolve and adapt. And that's probably my favorite part of being in the startup space is I love learning and you constantly have to do that every day. Yeah. And, and it's acceptable to fail. Yes, it's absolutely acceptable to fail and to take risks. And mm-hmm. that's probably the most, uh, you know, adrenaline inducing best part of a startup. Again, that's my favorite part is because you never know what is going to come your way and you have to learn and, and you know really adapt on the fly. And that's it's fun to do, and I, I can never see myself doing anything outside of the, the startup space because of that that part of it. Um, let's end with, you know, I always want to end with a forward-looking statement. You know, you've given some very important and, and, and harsh criticism, which we love, and we want to do that on more episodes, but we always want to end on, you know, moving towards the right, hopefully moving towards the right direction, optimistic outlook on Lexington, Do the best you can as far as, you know, what are some positive highlights and and movement you see, you know, going on here?
2: Yeah, Um, definitely see more, at least, activity going on in the startup scene, right? Like, also, Matrix just got this new grant, uh, you know, Vail's growing, uh, what else? i think zucker is growing zucker
1: yeah. uh zometry and the, yeah, you know the whole major time acquisition acquisition with big yeah. time fuji uh yeah fuji's continuing to grow um yeah there's definitely yeah well, more activity vivid charts we've had them on here okay true um yeah Trumans.
2: Nice. yeah there's definitely a lot of great activity yeah i see a lot of like local companies coming down you know just for the environment right like you have uh, I'm not sure if WeatherCheck. Um, WeatherCheck was Demetrius. an Awesome Inks fellowship. Demetrius, yeah. we had them on a past
1: episode. Uh, right. OmniLife came uh, came to Lexington from a, from a different
2: market. I think it was uh, maybe St. Louis. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's there's definitely some activity. Yeah, for sure. and definitely. You know, it looks promising because all these Louisville founders are coming to Lexington for this. So obviously, obviously, something's going right. But they're still based out of you know yeah. Louisville. Yeah. So that's always good that you know we're trying to build this community here people are coming down and yes capital is being deployed i'm I sure like <laughs> with the question mark <laughs> <laughs> so yeah
1: yeah that's that's uh that's always a question mark there um man i mean that's i, I, I can see in the way you're sitting here that's probably the best you're going do. to do on a four look so i'm not going to push anymore um, if there
0: was one thing you could change <laughs> about the startup and entrepreneurship, the first thing, in yeah, what would be the first yeah, thing? Yeah. The first thing. Tomorrow first would be thing. different. What would it be?
2: Yeah. It'd It'd be, um, I guess, with investors mentality. Yeah. So, yeah. like a lot of people here are looking at investing in startups, right? But they're looking for A-round type numbers. And what I mean, like A-round type numbers, like, you know, 50K monthly recurring revenue, this much mm-hmm. traction, all of this, right? The like, safer, the safer investment, right? It's a yeah. safe investment. So, yeah. and they claim to be angel groups, right? Like, I have no issue if you're like an you know, post seed or pre like pre A, whatever you want to call it, like investment group. But if you claim to be angel, like you're inherently taking more risk and getting more shares yeah. because of that, right? Um, and if I had 50k monthly recurring, I wouldn't pitch a C- angel group that would invest 200k, like, I would <laughs> pitch, you know. <laughs> Someone You're in San Francisco, like, yeah, yeah. You know, five hundred to a mil in that yeah. range. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, that'd be the first thing I'd change right there, because the community's great here, right? Starting out, but I think it's just that is a big point for me. Yeah.
1: Well, we definitely appreciate you coming on and being as candid as, as possible. We definitely appreciate that, and you know, as for the listeners, you know, we're going to continue to do this um, and make sure we have these <laughs> candid discussions. It doesn't matter how many feathers are ruffled because this is important. This is when we were at Fuji, nobody talked about this kind of stuff. Uh, There's still a deficiency in the space as far as people talking about this stuff. And our traction so far has pointed us to say, you know, it's saying you guys are doing something that is really helping the community and really is needed. So, you know, Josh, thank you again for coming on and doing this. It's a pleasure to, you know, watch what you're doing and, and talk to you and hear what you're doing
2: and. I'm glad we're able to share that uh, with the community. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. And it was fun being on here, and hopefully uh, I don't ruffle too many feathers. We'll (laughs) we'll hear some news, I'm sure, soon. Yeah, you'll uh, have to keep us
0: posted on the location, and maybe we can do a little update. Yeah, yeah, And we want to know the reasoning behind it as well.
2: Okay, okay. We'll definitely let you know terms if I can. Yeah, cool. (laughs)